Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. My name is Pastor Leif Anderson. I'm the executive pastor here this morning and on staff here, and uh, it's just great to have all of you. Well, we've been in a series, What Lies Beneath, and it's been an incredible series. Um, I was just talking to Dale Benedetti after the first service, and he just reminded me that eight months ago, we weren't even sure we we're going to move forward with this series that's not only on Sunday morning, but also part of our connection groups. And God has just gone before us. God has been doing some incredible things in the hearts of every one of you out here and involved in the connection groups. And I've been just so excited. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your involvement in what God is doing. Our big idea in this series has been we cannot be spiritually mature and remain emotionally immature. God wants to take us to a journey in our hearts and really help us to see what is going on inside. Some of the topics that we've hit on are know yourself so that you can know God. Oftentimes, we're not aware of how we're coming across to other people. There's stuff going on inside that begins to leak out. And a good question to ask ourselves is, what type of wake am I leaving after I have a conversation with someone? How did they experience me? And God really wants to bring us to a place to love others better, love ourselves better, and love him better as we seek to grow in that area. Another key area is going back in order to go forward. God doesn't want us to get stuck with stuff in our past. So like a bow and arrow, we've got to go backwards a bit in order to go forward. We've got to take a look at those things in our lives. We've got to ask the Holy Spirit to take us by the hand and bring us back to both the good and bad of our pasts, whether it was from our families, whether it was other relationships that we had. But so often we can get stuck if there's abuse back there, if we've had difficulty with our parent relationships, or if there's generational sin that we don't want to continue on into the next generation. And then some of us, it's just hard to be honest that there's something negative. Sometimes we think our family is all good and there's good and bad. And sometimes we just need the Lord to take us to those places to see what we need to grow in and how we need to become more mature spiritually as we do that. Well, the direction we're going this morning is called journeying through the wall. And as I've mentioned before, sometimes going back, we can hit a wall. We can hit a wall and say, This is too hard to go through for me. Next week, we're going to be talking about enlarging enlarging our soul through grief and loss. And that's another area where we get stuck. Maybe we haven't grieved a loss in our life like we need to. Maybe we haven't gone there emotionally like we need to. And we get stuck there. And this morning, we're going to learn about that the way to move through those stuck places, it's not to go around it. It's not to try to jump over it, or it's not to stay stuck. we got to trust in the Lord to take us by the hand and walk through that wall. Well, this morning, it's a unique morning. We've had a bit of a a wall experience here um, as a part of the service, and that is uh, Pastor Gill 
has got laryngitis. So he was ready to share on this area that's dear to his heart. Um, contacted Josh and I. We talked last night, Pastor Josh and I, and um, came up with a plan of uh, me kind of leading some of the parts at the beginning here. But we're going to actually hear from Pete Scazzaro, who wrote the book and has done a lot of the material that we've uh, been going through. And we're going to watch a little video clip of him. But before we get to that, um, I've asked Pastor Gill to come up. Um, because one of the verses that I've been reflecting on in Job, and it's part of our prayer guide out of Job 35, is that God wants to speak to us through our own affliction and through our own weakness. And Pastor Gill just wants to share a little bit about what this has been like for him and, and some of the things God is sharing with him. Good morning, everybody. Yeah. Um, so this is a first for me. I've never had laryngitis before. And um, I can tell you it's a very humbling experience. Uh, actually, very humiliating. On Thursday, I, pr- I was to pray an invocation and a benediction at an event with about 500 people. And I got up and opened my mouth and nothing came out. And I started squeaking. It was just humiliating. Um, so it's hard even to sit here this morning and admit to you and say the words, I can't. Um, recognizing my own limitations and seeing them as a gift has never been easy for me. Um, When you're a communicator and that's what you do, when you can't do that, um, you begin to discover how much of your worth is tethered to your work and how much of your value you still get out of your abilities, your gifts. So quite frankly, it's been... um, it was hard for me to just confess that I, I, just, I just have nothing left in the vocal tank, not enough to be able to come and preach a service this morning. But I just wanted to share a little bit with you about something that the Lord spoke to me about. I wanted to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul the apostle, when he came to the Corinthian church, said, verses 2 and 3, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. I come feeling that weakness today and feeling some of the fear that comes with being weak. The fear that um, you'll be judged because of your inabilities the fear that people would look down on me because I'm not capable to produce what I'm so used to producing. The fear that I'll be seen as a weak leader because I'm not able to preach today. And I had to bring that all to the Lord and I had to say, God, I, I just want to surrender to you my heart. And I had to come to a place in my life um, this week even, of just recognizing that if I never preach another message, it does not change the fact that God loves me, that I am his son, that I'm deeply loved by him, that my performance does not change how God feels about me. And even as I say those words, they're difficult to say because it's, a, it's hard to even imagine that I would never do that again. And I'm believing that won't be the case, obviously. Obviously. 
But the reality is I, I have to surrender to the Lord in my weakness and admit that I am dependent completely and utterly upon him. Um, I actually have learned something else about myself, and that is that I don't practice silence well. So it's been a very quiet week in our home. And um, practicing silence has been really good for me, but very difficult. I actually debated changing up the order of our themes and just talking about silence and solitude this morning and coming and sitting here for 30 minutes quietly. (laughs) See how uncomfortable we would all become. But I just need to say to you, you know, I am used to being needed as a pastor. I'm not used to being needy. Today I need your prayers. I'm supposed to go to a pastor's conference this week and speak in Canada. I'm going to see the doctor again tomorrow. I don't know. I've already informed them that I may not be able to come depending on my ability. The reality is I need God and I need your prayers. I need your support. God will see us through together. Thank you so much for your love and thank you for your grace that you're extending this morning. The image of the Christian life as a journey captures our experience of following Christ like few others. Because journeys involve movement and action, stops and starts, detours, delays, trips into the unknown. It also gives us the long view of the Christian life. Think about it. God called Abraham to leave his past in Ur at the age of 75 to go on a journey. God called Moses out of a burning bush to begin a new phase of his life at the age of 80 to go on a journey. God called the Israelites to leave Egypt and embark on a 40-year journey of personal transformation in the desert to the promised land. God called David to leave the comforts of his job as a shepherd, as a teenager, to fight Goliath and take a journey that would lead him to serve as king of Israel. Jesus called the 12 disciples to change their lives forever, leave their jobs to go on a journey with him. You're on a journey, and so am I. But it's a truth about the Christian life that at one point or another, you will hit a wall. By a wall, I'm referring to a season in your life when you will feel stuck. Consider the story of a woman named Agnes. From the time she was a young girl, Agnes believed, not just believed, she was on fire. She wanted to do great things for God. She said things such as she wanted to love Jesus as he'd never been loved before. Agnes had an undeniable calling. She, she wrote in her journal that my soul at present is in perfect peace and joy. She experienced a union with God that was so deep, so continual, that for her it was a, a rapture, an ecstasy. She left her home. She became a missionary. She gave up everything. After a while, however, it seemed as if God had abandoned her. At least that's how it felt to her. She started writing different words in her journal, words like, where is my faith? And she asked, deep down, there's nothing but emptiness and darkness. Oh, God, how painful this is, this unknown pain. I have no faith. She struggled to pray. She still worked. She still served. She still smiled, but she struggled at the wall that didn't seem to move. This inner darkness continued on year after year for nearly 50 years. God seemed absent. Such was the secret pain of Agnes, who is better known today as Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa wrote letters intended, not only, intended really only for her spiritual directors about the torment in her soul. But after her death, they were published, and these letters stunned people. Some prominent atheists said that Mother Teresa had lost her faith. Many said she struggled with clinical depression. But spiritually, she would hit a wall. But as we know today, God was doing a mighty work in and through her, and it was this wall that made her the great woman she is today. I meet many believers today who are also at a wall. Some have even dropped out. They often fail to see the larger picture of the transforming work of what God is seeking to do in them.
that this wall is essential to their maturing in Christ and becoming the person God intends. And the disorientation, the pain of their present circumstances, it blinds them. But throughout church history, great men and women have written about the phases of this journey to help us understand the larger map, the larger picture of what God is doing in our lives. In the critical journey stages in the life of faith, the authors developed a model that included the essential place of the wall in our journeys. And the following is my adaptation of their work. Now, I want you to note that each stage builds naturally upon the other. In the physical world, babies must grow into young children and then into teenagers who become adult men and women. In a similar way, spiritually, each stage builds on the ones that go before it. An important difference, however, is that we can stagnate very easily at a certain stage and choose not to move forward in our journeys with Christ. We can refuse to trust God into this unknown, mysterious place. So let's take a look at the stages. So stage one, you'll notice, it's called life-changing awareness of God. This stage, whether in childhood or adulthood, is the beginning of our journey with Christ as we become aware of his reality. We realize our need for mercy and begin our relationship with him. Stage two is discipleship. This stage is characterized by learning about God and what it means to be a follower of Christ. We become part of a Christian community, and we begin to get rooted in the disciplines of the faith. Stage three is the active life. This is described as the doing stage. We get involved, we actively work for God, we serve him and his people. We take responsibility, we bring our unique talents and gifts to serve Christ in the world. Stage four is the wall and the journey inward. Notice that the wall and the inward journey are closely related. The wall drives us into an inward journey. In some cases, people feel compelled to this journey that, that eventually leads them to the wall. Other times, it's the wall that leads them to the inward journey. It's rightly been said that 85% of evangelicals do not get through the wall. Our image of God often does not allow for such a difficult experience. But if we get through it, we end up in stage five, which is called the journey outward. Having passed through the crises of faith and the intense inner journey work necessary to go through the wall, we begin once again to move outward to do for God. We may do some of the same active external things we did before, like give leadership or initiate acts of mercy toward other people. The difference is now that we're giving out of a grounded new center in ourselves with God. And then stage six is transformed by love. That's really God's goal in the language of John Wesley, is that we might be made perfect in love, that Christ's love becomes our love, both towards God and other people. We realize that love truly is the beginning and it's the end. And by this stage, the perfect love of God has driven out all fear. We're free. And the whole of our spiritual lives is finally about surrender and obedience to God's perfect will. For most of us, the wall appears through a crisis that turns our world upside down. It comes perhaps through a divorce or a job loss, the death of a close friend or family member, a cancer diagnosis, a disillusioning church experience. The wall might come through a betrayal or a shattered dream or a wayward child or a car accident or an inability to get pregnant or a deep desire to marry that remains unfulfilled or a dryness or loss of joy in our relationship with God. We question ourselves, we question God, we question the church, and we discover that for the first time our faith doesn't appear to work. We have more questions than answers at the very foundation, as, uh, at the very foundation of our lives, and it feels like our, our faith is on the line. We don't know where God is. We don't know what he's doing. We don't know where he's going, how he's getting us there, or when this will ever be over. I've experienced uh, at least five or six major walls in my life, each of which changed me forever. Uh, let me just share two. 
the first was in 1994 when we had a, a split in one of the congregations in Spanish that we had established. I, I felt betrayed. I was outraged. My faith was shaken. Everything in me wanted to quit Christianity. Uh, that was the beginning of this whole expanded view of God and scripture that we call emotionally healthy spirituality today. Uh, the second was in actually 1996 when my marriage with Jerry hit a wall. Uh, our marriage was in deep trouble. We were great friends, but God met both of us out of that deep season of pain. Uh, and out of that help that we, we eventually got and went after, we have a marriage today that's so far beyond any of our dreams. We made a decision to live out of the joy and overflow of our marriage. And equipping and training people to have marriages that taste and point to heaven is actually the greatest joy of our lives. And it comes out of the fact that we didn't have it in our early years. And so on a certain level, it's correct to say that walls come to us in various ways throughout our lifetimes. It's not simply a one-time event that we pass through and get beyond. It appears to be something that we return to as part of our ongoing relationship with God. We see this, for example, in Abraham. He's waiting at the wall for 25 years for his first child with his wife, Sarah, to be born. He hits another wall when he has to let go of his eldest child, Ishmael. 10 to 13 years later, God leads him again to another wall, the sacrificing of his son that he loves, Isaac, on an altar. So regardless of how we get there, every follower of Jesus at some point will confront the wall. The best way to understand the dynamics of the wall is to examine the classic work of John of the Cross. Uh, in, in his famous book, The Dark Night of the Soul, it was written 500 years ago. I mean, he describes the journey uh, in, in three phases, beginners, progressives, and perfect. But to move out of being a beginner stage, he says, it requires receiving the gift of God that comes through the dark night, or I'm calling it here, the wall. He says this is the ordinary way that we grow in Christ. And a failure to understand this is one of the major reasons many people start out on the journey but do not finish. So how do we know we're in a dark night, as he calls it? Well, our good feelings of God's presence evaporate. We feel the door of heaven perhaps has been shut as we pray. There's a sense of darkness or helplessness, weariness, a sense of failure and defeat and dryness and emptiness kind of descends on us. The Christian disciplines or the way that we've lived it out, the Christian life up to now, they don't really work any longer. We really can't see what God's doing and, and there's little visible fruit externally in our lives. This actually is God's way, he writes, about of rewiring and purging our affections, our, our passions, as he calls it. He, he does this so that we might delight in God's love and enter into a rich, fuller communion with him. You see, God wants to communicate to us his true sweetness and love. He, he longs for us that we might know his true peace and rest. But to get there, however, false layers and unhealthy attachments inside of us must be burned away. Only then will we actually be able to taste and see that the Lord is good. Only then we actually surrender to his will and his love and not our own. At the wall, we learn that true faith is trusting God even when we don't feel him. You may hate walls. We may hate walls, but they are God's gift to us. So let me just close with two thoughts here. First is there is a difference between walls and trials. The trials we encounter each day are not the wall or the dark night of the soul. Trials are traffic jams, annoying bosses, delayed airplane departures, car breakdowns, fever, barking dogs in the middle of the night. James consider them, considers them in James 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers, he writes, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's trials. Walls are David fleeing a jealous king for 13 years in the desert for his life. 
Walls are 11 disciples of the crucifixion who are confused and disoriented and wondering if they've wasted their whole lives. Walls are Job losing his 10 children, his health, and his possessions in a day. But secondly, it's all, it can be difficult to discern precisely when we began the journey through the wall and when we might actually be on the other side of the wall. Ultimately, God is the one who moves us through the wall. And with that comes mystery. There's a lot we do not understand about the ways of God. His ways are not our ways. Yet there are rich treasures at that wall. Our image and understanding of God is dramatically transformed. We often have God in a very small box. The wall blows that box open. We begin to see God for who he really is, sovereign, mighty, loving, good. Our work at that wall is to stay with God, to persevere, to faithfully wait on him, to stick with him, even when everything in us wants to quit and run. Why? For he's good and his love endures forever. Failure to understand and surrender to God's working in us at the wall often results, if not always results, in long-term pain and confusion. I know many people have had been through great sufferings and hit massive walls. Yet the walls did not change them. They only bounced off them. They returned to a similar but different wall later. Yet receiving the gift of God at the wall that comes to each of us transforms our lives forever in ways that we never dreamed. So enjoy. Well, as the band comes up, we want to create some space for you, um, even though silence is hard, to really reflect on what Pete Scazzaro is talking about with the wall. I love the way he normalizes it as a part of our Christian walk and our Christian experience. We need the wall. We may hate it. I've probably gone through about five or six walls, and a lot of them I've hated because they've been so hard, so dark, and as he shared... I didn't feel God in some of those moments. But they're needed because God wants to do something by taking us through the wall. Sometimes it will remain a mystery, like with Job. I mean, sometimes he just didn't know what he was going through. But other times the Lord wants to purge and bring us to a place of surrender. And that's what I want you to focus on this morning as you hear this song, Here's My Heart, Lord. What I want you to ask yourself is this, Lord, whether I'm in a a wall right now or whether I've already gone through a wall or whether I'm preparing for a wall, what is it that I need to personally surrender to you? And then I want you to pray the same thing for Grace Crossing. What is it that Grace Crossing needs to surrender to God? That we may be attached to something. And ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in that. A couple days ago, I had a chance to reflect on that very question. I was out in the country, taking a long walk. And I was just surprised that I'd begun to hang on to some things that I thought were surrendered to God. Things like my wife, my kids, and family, extended family. And the Lord said, life, you're, you're beginning to curl your fingers around those things. And I want you to let go. And so it was a time for me to surrender some of those things. What is it that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about that you need to surrender here this morning? Take some time. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide and lead you. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.grace.org.
www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.